Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on spiritual warfare. Hey, good morning. It's a great day to be alive and uh, so glad to have you here. I'm going to look into the camera for a second because of my mom and dad watch us every week. Mom, happy Mother's Day. I love you. The support, the encouragement. The affirmation for 58 years of my life has been incredible, and you're my favorite mama on the planet. So how about that? Mom and dad watch it every week. I'm not going to tell you this story because my dad doesn't have a filter at times, but my mom was telling me this week that she was telling my dad that her back was hurting, to which he responded, it's because you've gained too much weight. So, big girl, everybody here just booed you <laughs> on Mother's Day. Hey, uh, it, it is so good to be with you, and uh, I, I do pray that your hearts are open, uh, really, to hear from the Lord today. Uh, the, the, the last few weeks, we've been doing this series on spiritual warfare, and we've been talking about uh, living a life as an overcomer. And uh, last week, we talked about overcoming depression. The week before that, overcoming chemical dependence. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about overcoming uh, sexual bondage, which is going to be a, kind of a heavy talk, but a, a much-needed one. And then uh, I'll finish this series with overcoming uh, money problems, because there's a lot of people that suffer, if you will, in the financial realm. But today, I'm really fired up to talk to you about overcoming me. <laughs> overcoming me. So have you noticed... Have you noticed, even in our culture today, how so many people are consumed with self? I, I call it me-ism, uh, living in a me-centered world. Everything revolves around me. Think about it. Our culture is obsessed with words like self-image, self-esteem, self-worth. Self-confidence, self-respect, self-help, and self-whatever. I was reading the other day, and it's interesting that in 2013, the word of the year was selfie. I started researching the, the term selfie, and for some odd reason, my mind was, I was like, I, I, I wonder who invented the selfie stick. Did you know that in 2016 alone, the selfie stick made over $80 million? We're going to take a selfie. So here's the question, and I want you to think about this. Is there anything other than me that really bothers me? Is there anything other than me? My consumption with self and just my own meism. Is there anything really other than me that really bothers me? Robert Shuler had a voice in America for a while. Robert Shuler was an interesting uh, thinker, teacher, if you will. He was the pioneer of what is now called self-esteem theology. He was the pastor at the Crystal Cathedral in California. They used to have this dude on TV. Very interesting. Listen to what he said. Shuler believed that being born again meant being changed from a negative self-image to a positive self-image. 
In his book that he wrote, Self-Esteem and New Reformation, he made some just insane statements. You're talking about whacked. You're talking about detrimental. Listen to some of this. He said, classical theology was wrong in being God-centered and not man-centered. So what he said. The era of historical Christianity is that we never started with the value of the person. We started with the unworthiness of the sinner. Well, how about that? Pretty much what the Bible teaches, Robert. Uh, He made this statement, Josh. He said, sin is any act or thought that robs humanity of their self-esteem. The core issue of sin is a lack of self-esteem. These are statements Schuller made. And people were giving this dude incredible airtime. He was, he was known. And, and so many people, even in the church, drank this dude's Kool-Aid. He made this statement. He said, a person is in hell when he has lost self-esteem. This was new age. This was so bogus and brutal, but people started buying into this because there was so much, uh, so many books on the shelf that was all about self worth and self-image and self and self and self. And this dude just kind of fed into it. Timothy Keller, a much more conservative thinker, he made this observation. He said, up until the 20th century, traditional cultures always believed that too high of a value of self was the root cause of all the evil in the world. But in our modern culture, we have developed an opposite consensus. For hundreds of years, too high a view of self was the root cause. And so whether you battle or struggle with too high a view of self or a low view of self, the problem is self is still on the throne. Here would be a premise statement as we start to unpackage this message. Before the truth can set you free, you need to identify what lie is holding you hostage. Before the truth can really set you free, you've got to be able to identify what lies are holding me hostage. Robert McGee is one of my favorite writers. And shortly after Barb and I got married, I grabbed a copy of his book that's, that's titled The Search for Significance. It's one of my favorite books. He wrote another book called The Search for Freedom. In- incredible thinker, great counselor, very conservative. But in his book, he identifies false beliefs that indicate that a person has a problem with self-image. Listen to some of what McGee said. People that have, a, that have this false belief in this very inaccurate view of God, they conclude with statements like this, God doesn't really care about me. I am unlovable. I am worthless. Nobody will ever love me. I will never be able to change. I've been a failure all my life. I will always be a failure. If people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. So much of condemnation, if you will, that we speak into our own lives is because we are still on the throne. We're looking in the wrong places, whether it's inward or even outward, to try to find worth. And the only place we're going to truly find worth is when we're able to look Upward. John Gardner, listen to this, this quote. John Gardner said, self-pity, don't, don't, don't miss this one right here. Self-pity is easily 
the most destructive of all the, of all the non-pharmaceutical narcotics that's on the market today. Self-pity is easily the most destructive of all the non-pharmaceutical narcotics. Why? It's addictive, it gives momentary pleasure, and it separates the victim from reality. When people wallow in self-pity, when they're stuck on themselves, it is absolutely destructive. And it's so easy for people to get stuck there. The problem with focusing on self-image instead of God-image, the problem of focusing on self-worth instead of God-worth, is that it, it poisons your view of yourself. It does. It poisons people's view of themselves. When you have a poor view of self, it leads to all kinds of problems. You think about the emotional problems that we see around us today. We spoke about uh, overcoming depression and all that, but it's anxiety. It's all emotional. When you live with this poor view of self, it will lead to being uh, where you feel like you're inferior, you're inadequate, you feel worthless, you feel useless, you feel like you don't measure up, you feel like you're a failure, you feel like I, I'll, I'll never be able to do it. It just it creates a lack of confidence. And so many people that you encounter live there, and that is a terrible prison to be in because it's not true. We have to get to the place where we can truly believe what God believes about us and what God says to be true. But then you think about all the physical problems we see around us today because people are battling this uh, low self-worth and low self-esteem uh, and all this stuff because they're not getting their identity from Christ. Think about the physical problems. I mean, people in this room will battle Things like anorexic, uh, being anorexic, bulimia, cutting, steroids. I want to unpackage this. And the things that we try to do to change our appearance in this culture, it's endless. It's infinite. I mean, you're talking about t tummy tucks and Botox and, 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 and hair dyes and makeups and tanning beds. And then, dudes, all the dieting, the gym memberships, and the endless intake of supplements. It's not just a female thing. There's so many people that struggle with self-worth and struggle with their image. And I would tell you, I think it's wise to take care of your body. I think it's wise to care at some level about your appearance, but when you are motivated out of a poor view of self and not stewarding your body because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit and your whole why and doing whatever you do is all for the appeal for others and the appeal that you get yourself, that's a jacked up place to be. And so we know that when you get consumed here, when you're not like walking in your worth and value with God, it absolutely poisons your view of yourself. Here's another one. It will damage your relationship with other people. It is impossible to have a healthy relationship with other people when you're totally stuck on yourself. We either spend our time looking for approval from other people, or we will do everything in our power to avoid being around other people because we fear rejection. You look at it. God has called us to build authentic relationships, but our false self will gravitate over here to see how many Facebook likes we've got, 
to see how many people commented on our latest Instagram, or we post all these thinking selfies going, check me out. It's like, why? And the sad thing that happens is this. Instead of us serving other people for the glory of God and their good, we end up using other people to boost our self-esteem, or again, we completely avoid them because we're afraid we might be rejected. Man, how unhealthy. How unhealthy. Another thing is, not only does it poison your view of self and distort your relationships with others, but it will absolutely hinder your relationship with God. I want to land here for a second. And I want you to think about this. You will have a difficult time loving God when you hate yourself. It is impossible to love God and serve others when you walk in habitual self-hatred. You can't do it. God, why did you make me the way you did? God, why didn't you make me taller? Why didn't you make me skinnier? Why can't I have the metabolism they've got over there? They can eat a whole pizza and they lose weight and I eat one slice and gain five. God, why'd you make me the way you made me? Why didn't you make me smarter? Why didn't you give me a better gene pool where... My hair would still be growing on my head today. God, why didn't you? Right? Lord, why'd you put me in this jacked up family over here? Or why didn't you make me smarter? Or God, why didn't you at least make me a little more musical? Or why didn't you make me athletic? Or what? Isaiah 45, 9 says, what sorrow? Listen, oh, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong? When you look in the, the mirror, or when you start to speak all this self hatred and just condemnation and shame on you, you can't enjoy God. You can't worship God because you've already concluded that if God was good, he would have made you different. He would have put you in a better family. You would have been born in wealth, and your great-grandfather would have passed on to you millions of dollars. And Come on, somebody. Romans 9, 20 says, Who are you, old man, to talk back to God? Well, what is formed? Say to him who formed it. Why did you make me like this? Shh. Stop, stop. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every person in this room, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we must, we must establish a biblical framework as the reference point on how we view ourselves. God made me in his image. I am a one-of-a-kind piece of art. There's not another piece of art like this. I am unique. And, 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 and as soon as you get into the comparison of all that stuff, it's, it's going to absolutely annihilate you. Here, here's another thing I would say. How we measure our worth, we use some of the most jacked-up, faulty standards that you can imagine. And our culture... 
We use some of the most jacked up standards to try to measure what our worth is. One would be our appearance. Our appearance does not define our worth. I was reading stats according to Dove Soaps. They've been in the business for a while. Listen to what they said. Only 4%, listen, happy Mother's Day, ladies. Only 4% of women around the world consider themselves to be beautiful. 4%? Wow. 11% of girls globally, 11% are comfortable describing themselves as beautiful. That means 89% are not. 70, 72% of girls globally feel the pressure to be attractive. And what ends up happening is they end up buying into the secular lie and they're not attractive. They become an attraction, which is a whole different thing to talk about. 80% of women agree that every woman has something about her that is beautiful, but they do not see it in themselves. 54% of women agree that when it comes to how they look, they are their own worst critic. Proverbs 31.10 or uh, 31.30, it says, charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, which means charm, you might be able to charm it and work it for a season. Uh, outward beauty, it's got an expiration date on it. I don't know. Sometimes you see stuff and they're like, what do they look like now? And I've opened some of those things up. Daisy Duke. Some of these, you look at it and it's like, she had this profile and all this stuff. And then you see her 40 years later. I'm like, she went from looking like she was a poster child for Hooters to being a poster child for Golden Corral. You look at it and go, why? Because beauty is fleeting. You can't keep it forever. But the person who trusts God, who places their faith and confidence in God, that's good. That's of God. And, and, and our culture is so consumed with appearance and health and fitness, and Hollywood has created what the perfect dude looks like or the perfect girl looks like. They have. And they've created this image or standard that none of us can attain. You start to look at it. We're bombarded with all of these photoshopped images that have been filtered. Hey, I bet you she used a filter on that because I saw her last week and she don't look that way. These are conversations I've heard. Oh, I know she used a filter. I don't even know what a filter is with a photo or in speaking. So, no, but I don't know what a filter is. And even if the people in those images did look the way that they're presented, who cares? But we buy into it like that's the look. That's what I'm going for. And again, it doesn't matter how cool or how Gorgeous or how attractive you look when you're young, you're going to get older if you stay on the planet. You're going to get older. And, and it's going to happen. But your value does not diminish just because you get older. 
man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the Man looks at the outward, God looks at the heart. Proverbs 16:31 says, "Gray hair, come on. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by a godly life." So when I look in the mirror and I see my gray hairs and not hair, I'm like, look at that, Lord. Look at that crown. Look at that. It's a crown. Do you see it that way? Teresa Mobley, you see my hair that way? But our appearance is not who we are. Now, you ever bought into it or tried to play the game? I did. I'll never forget. Rachel was entering her senior year in high school. Benji was going into the ninth grade. And so they had this big, like, uh, orientation thing and baccalaureate or whatever you want to call those kind of intro whatever at a Christian school kind of things. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Well, Barb went out of town the weekend before. And so I thought, now, this is 12 years ago. So I'm like, I'm going to go see if this works. And I went and bought me a box of Just for Men. And I read up on it, how you mix this with that. And I thought, come on, let's try it. So I took that stuff, and I had more hair 12 years ago, and it was a little different color. But I tighten that stuff up, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Boy's starting to look young. Tighten up the goatee. When Barb came back in off her trip, she walked in the door. I was in the kitchen, and she goes, oh, my God, you look like Squiggy. <laughs> Squiggy? I'm like, you think I look like Squiggy? You... <laughs> You really think that you can label me a squiggy? And I said, Ashley Blair, you spent way too much time on Photoshop this week. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend all this time and all this energy. And 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 don't don't hear me wrong on this. Don't don't hear me wrong. But we do spend so much time on the external and so little time for some of us on the internal. And we spend this time trying to enhance appearance where God goes, work on your heart. You you know, it's crazy. Another thing is our abilities. Our abilities do not define us. What we can do and what we can't do. Now, once upon a time, that's where I found worth. I thought... I'm defined by what I can do and what I can't do, especially in the realm of athletics. But it's not true. Psalm 147 verse 10 says, God does not take pleasure in the power of a horse. He does not take pleasure in human strength. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And you may not be as talented as you would like to be. Or you may not be as gifted in certain areas as you want to be. But if I do stop and go, what thrills the heart of heaven? To delight in the Lord, to put your hope in his unfailing love. I can tell you now at 58, athletic abilities, they've got a shelf life. People 
People ask me this still, even today. Hey, man, can you still throw? No. Are you serious? I'm trying to walk without tripping. Throw? Vocals have a shelf life. Listen today to Hall and Oates. It's got a shelf life. These dudes don't even sound close to what they used to sound like. Barb and I went to see one of my favorite bands a few years back, Chicago. We went to see them at Chastain. They got a new lead singer. But these dudes that used to play the trumpets and the trombone, they're standing up there with their little tank tops on, and I'm like, cover it up. You're 64 years old. It doesn't matter even if you can. It's got a shelf life to it. And if we really do believe that our worth is based on our abilities, then the problem is you'll get to a time in life where you do not feel like you have worth because you, you can't do what you used to do. You can't. Our accomplishments, so many people lean into this, right? So many. It's like, what'd you make on the SAT? What's your GPA? What, what, what kind of degree did you get when you graduated? You got a master's? Oh, you just got undergrad. Oh, you dropped out after JUCO. How does that give me my worth? Championship rings and trophies? That doesn't give me worth. Drew, it doesn't matter that Neil beats you 21 to 2 in cornhole. You might not ever win a trophy. It's okay. But your accomplishments are not how you measure worth. You can't go there. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, We wouldn't dare say that we're as cool as these other men who tell you how important they are. They're comparing themselves with themselves and with each other. They're using themselves as a standard of measurement. How foolish. Some of the other translations read, when we compare ourselves with ourselves, we're the most foolish of all men. But here's what happens. We, we fall into it. Comparison, com write this down. Comparison is the death of contentment. Comparison will absolutely rob you of contentment. Comparison destroys uniqueness and creativity. You were born an original. Don't try to die a copy of somebody else. It's like, Lord, bring this stuff alive in me that you've put inside of me. So you start to look at appearance and abilities and accomplishments. It's a bad standard. Then our assets. So many people get caught there, right? That my net worth determines my self-worth. What I've got determines how valued that I am. But Jesus said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. This means you can lose it all. But your value as a person does not diminish. And I'm going to speak into this when I talk about overcoming the problem with money. But you can accomplish all this stuff financially with your assets and it be gone like that. Your net worth and your personal worth are not the same. Your personal worth is that God made you in his image. God loves you. God is for you. God has redeemed you. God wants to leave. That's my worth. 
So I would tell you this. So don't use those faulty standards. you got to believe what God believes about you. And then I would tell you, be careful whose voice you empower. It can make or break you based on whose voice you're listening to. Now, again, this whole thing has been built on listening to the voice of truth and listening to what God has to say. But our parents and family members can have such a huge influence in our lives. They're really the first voices that are able to speak into us. And parents and family members, we have to be careful because what we say has lasting effect. And there's so many people that I know that were hurt by condescending critical statements by their family members. And even to this day, those wounds and trauma as a child continue to influence them. They're still listening to that voice. And we have to be careful. Psalm chapter 27, verse 10, the psalmist said, even if my mom and dad abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. I've got to have the Lord holding me close. I've got to let Jesus be the one that has the ultimate voice. So we have an incredible responsibility as parents. We have an incredible responsibility. We're going to do this baby dedication today. And Josh, you and Hannah and, and, and Rick and Karen and many others, we, we're going to step into this space of, of, of parents saying, I'm going to raise my kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord and point them to Jesus. But what we say, our words create worlds. What, what we say carries weight. And we need to recognize and realize parents that how we view ourselves is oftentimes the way we communicate to our kids. If you've got a jacked up view of yourself and you're constantly just beating yourself up, there is a great chance you're not going to be able to build up somebody else if you're constantly belittling you. A study was done, I was reading this, where they asked moms, they asked these moms, what they didn't like about their bodies. And then separately, they asked their daughters the same question. The shocker was the daughters identified the same areas that their moms had communicated that they didn't like. Why? Because it's what you hear. Right? It's just what you hear. And it's like, I, I just don't like my hair. I don't like my eyebrows. I don't like my eyelashes. I, I just can't believe my feet are this big. I, I got some goofy looking, just knotty knees. I don't know. And once we continue to criticize whatever body part or body parts we don't like, and other, our kids growing up hear it, they're going to repeat. It's like monkey see, monkey do kind of cliche-ish, right? It's what they see, they repeat, they reflect, they mirror. Be careful with your words. Be careful how you talk to yourself, how you talk to your kids, how you talk to others. But be careful because that stuff can jack with us. Other people's voices oftentimes carry so much weight in our lives. You got to be careful because for some of you, you're empowering other people's voices to give you your worth. And you have concluded how they see you is who you are. Well, if they got honest of how they even saw themselves, what they're doing is talking to you the way they see themselves. But you take it personal. 
And it's not only how you think they see you, but it's the perception that you've created that they must be seeing you this way. And you live in chains. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, am I really seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? If I was seeking man's approval, I wouldn't even be a servant of Christ. We have to seek God's voice, his approval, his statements. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, even when Paul was writing to this, this church here, he says, uh, and, and never once did we try to win you with flattery. We, we didn't try to smooth talk you so that you would like us. And then he goes on to say, as for human praise, we never sought it from you or from anyone else. Because my worth and my identity and my purpose for being on this planet has nothing to do with whether you like me or not. Robert McGee, back to him, the search for significance. He said, the man or woman who lives only for the love and attention of others is never satisfied, at least not for long. We will never find lasting peace if we must continue to prove our worth to other people. And I have concluded, don't worry about what other people think because the reality is most of them don't even really think. And they're not really thinking about you because, again, they're living in this self-consumed world thinking about them. And we will make derogatory, slanderous statements. Oh, did you see that dress she had on? Did you see that hair? And, and, And dudes dog each other, right? I mean, dudes dog each other. But it's like, why? If I can get you to deflect from me to something else, then I ain't got to deal with me. It's dangerous. So dangerous. We've got to overcome me and start to believe what God says. The mirror on the wall is a liar. That's another huge one. I mean, dudes, we joke about women spending so much time in front of a mirror. Thomas, Drew, Josh, all up. guys were like, my goodness, are we ever going to leave? I mean, but dudes spend time looking in the mirror. You know you do. You go to the stinking gym and watch it. Guys are always over there in this dig me pose. Oh. And even in the morning, so many of you guys will stand there after getting out of the shower, brushing your teeth. You tighten up that gut, and you're trying to find the six-pack only to realize you've got nothing but a keg. And your chest done falling down into your drawers, and you're still trying to feel like you're Arnold Schwarzenegger in his heyday. Come on. The mirror will lie to us, and if, I'm, if my worth is based on being buffed and being jacked and being whatever, Brian, it lies to us. It's like getting on the scales. The scales will tell you how much you weigh. The scales will not tell you how much you're worth. But for so many people, that number is their worth. That just tells me how much I weigh. That's not who I am. Let me wrap this thing up. Robert McGee He made this statement. I said, you're right on. He goes, Satan will lie to non-believers and tell them, you're not guilty. But Satan lies to believers trying to convince them that they are guilty. He's lying to everybody. I've got to listen to the voice of truth. 
I've got to step in, Stacy, to really believe I am what God says about me. What God says about me is the only thing that ultimately matters. I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account. So the reality is, every person in this room, you're, you're valuable. You have worth. You've been created in the image of God. God intentionally created you. Male and female, intentional. Even Jesus said, look at the birds. Do, do, do they go out and sow and reap and gather and put stuff in the barn? No, 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 they don't. Does your heavenly father feed the birds? Yes, you are more valuable than birds. And I have to sit there and go, and I got these bird feeders and I like watching them and I got these cardinals out there the other day, and I was like, man, I love watching this male and female cardinal. They're sitting there, and the male is taking food out of the bird feeder and feeding the female, and I'm like, check that out. God takes care of the birds. God goes, you're more important than birds. You're more valuable than birds. I'm going to take care of you. And we have to really believe that. God, you love me. You made me. Christ died for me. You're for me every day. The reality is we've got the sin problem. We're born into the world. Our hearts are deceitful and wicked and sick. And because of this, I mean, all of sin, the wages of sin is death. We're born into the world with this rebellious nature. And even after we come to Christ, if we're not careful, we still allow that rebellious nature to go on the horizontal to the created to try to find completion instead of going to the vertical with God. I mean, I know we're all born into the world jacked up, but Jesus is saying, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm enough. Come and hang with me. Sit at my table, man. Let me chill with you and feed you and complete you. Yes, I need a Savior every day because if not, I will buy into the secular lies that our culture is throwing at us. Here's my, here's my land. Here's where I land. I am loved by God, period. God loves me period. He even says in Jeremiah 31, I have loved you with an everlasting love, which means I will never stop loving you. Tim, you've got to realize there's no condemnation for you. You're in Christ. I'm not going to condemn you. I love you. And whether I believe it or not, it's the truth. And we've got to stop and go, whose voice am I listening to? Whose voice am I empowering? Who, who, who gets the trump say in my life? Who gets the final voice? We must listen to the voice of truth. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we wanna see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. But we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.